Welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. This is episode number 59. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson's with me. We're going to revisit a topic we've covered before, and that is taking care of yourself in extreme heat. It's summertime, and we've had shows about this before, Jeff. We've talked about incidents that have happened in Arizona, and we've talked about how people can prevent heat exhaustion and dehydration. Well, last week, I found myself in the emergency room on a trip to Grand Junction, Colorado. Jeff, we like to share our successes, our pictures of our harvests and things that we're doing well, but I think we also owe it to our listeners to share when we make mistakes and how people that should know better, like me, make mistakes and how others can learn from what we've gotten wrong. So before we get rolling on that, you can follow us at SuzanneCSherman.com. Once you go there, there's a page that will take you directly to both podcasts on Anchor FM, this one, as well as the Wasatch Report. That show focuses on current events from an originalist constitutional perspective. So if you want to know how the founding generation would have solved some of the issues that are going on today and how to take power away from Washington, D.C., please check out that show and read my book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America. Also, you'll find a link that will take you directly to the Lost Frontier Handbook, Learn the Ways of the Pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. Finally, the Red Hot Chili Prepper Survival Series links are available there as well. The Food Preservation Strategies book will tell you how to get a reliable source of food stored for your family in case of an emergency. And I also show you in the follow-up book, Doomsday Dining, Recipes from Camp Apocalypse, how to enjoy the food you have stored up. I want to focus on this, Jeff, before we get into the topic a little bit. I'm not going to bring up the person's name. It's somebody I really like and admire, somebody I know personally who had a post. This person also has a radio show and a website now that's focusing on preparedness. And the advice given was immediately go out and get 100 pounds of bean soup for everybody in your family, every family member get a hundred pounds of bean soup. So out of curiosity, I click the link and it takes you right to one of those commercially available freeze-dried food manufacturers. So one of those suppliers. And Jeff, we've done shows about that. In fact, in my book, Food Preservation Strategies, and on my blogs, I have a I had a blog out. It's on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. It's a warning about buying these commercially available freeze-dried food products. And The problem with these is they are very, very heavy in sodium. There can be ingredients also that your family members have an allergic reaction to, other chemicals, and they often do not last. They say up to 25 years, and that's typically in very small print. We try to warn people about these foods. And the other thing, Jeff, is we will never give bad advice so our show can make a profit. I admire this person. They have millions of followers. They have sponsors, but I will never give you bad advice because we have a sponsor for a certain product. If I think a product is no good or is not in your best interest, I wouldn't take their money. So, you know, this is just something to think about. Instead of just getting a hundred pounds of one item that people in your family may not eat, And you can develop, I think, you know, I know with animals, you can develop an allergic reaction to something too, if you eat something consistently over time. That sort of a solution is what I warn people about. It's a quick fix. You're just 
using your credit card to solve a problem that might cause you more problems later on. Jeff, we've talked about this. What what do you know about people that eat foods like this and what what you know you've learned about it? If I were going to make a suggestion, and my suggestion would be that if you're going to have some of this on hand, and you know what, for ease of everything in life, you know, it may not be a bad thing to have some of this in, on hand, but I would look more towards like your backpacking companies, the people that have meals already made up. So maybe you'll want to get like a stroganoff or a spaghetti or something like that, something that's already put together. And, and this is just emergency food to tide you over, over the stuff that you've already canned or put away on in other ways, you know, whether it's canning or freeze drying or whatever it is, or, or dehydrating, you know, use all your tools, put stuff away and have a backup plan that might have some of this stuff. But the, the amount of sodium in most of these is rather high. It's not good for you. That, at least that's what the ex, experts tell us. It's not good for you. But, you know, you have to be uh, a little careful and, you know, try to expand your horizons. Don't just think that uh, buying commercially processed foods are going to be your, uh, your sole survival. You need to have good food put away. Can your your vegetables, can your uh, pressure can meat have that, that good protein put away? Just kind of plan and use all your all the weapons in your arsenal. And you know, Jeff, I've talked about this before. When I first started getting interested in, in preparedness, this is when Doomsday Preppers came out, and I was feeling like I was really behind the eight ball. I didn't have shipping containers. I didn't have hazmat suits. I wasn't bugging out in school buses with chickens and goats. And, you know, these people, they seem to really have it going on. Well, you know, from the perspective of somebody that is just getting started, that might be the impression. But again, as we know, reality TV is anything but realistic. But I was tempted, the point I'm trying to make, I was tempted because I saw an ad, get a one-year supply of food for $4,000 for your entire family. And sure enough, that's all of these freeze-dried foods. And I did end up getting some of them. There are many brands. Some are better than others. Um, the one that I got, I don't think is one of the best out there. But again, I ended up getting some of them. Something else I would suggest also is I ended up buying just the meals, not everything they say for 72 hours. For instance, you're paying a lot of money for maybe a, a couple tablespoons of oatmeal, which counts as a breakfast, or a couple tablespoons of a powdered drink mix. You know, you're spending money on that. So I would rather focus spending my money on, like you mentioned, the stroganoff. Bean soup, yeah, bean, beans have protein, they have fiber, they're good for you. But 100 pounds per person, that might be a start, but it's not really a smart way to start. So yes, I do have some of these food buckets. I have some that have ready-made meals. And then I got one that just had protein, that just had different kinds of beefs and chickens. And then you can use that to build upon with your other food. When I warn you about this, what I'm saying is like what you, what you mentioned, Jeff, is have it be a tool. It's a tool in your toolbox. You can throw it in if you're going on a, on a road trip, a camping trip. They're convenient. They're light. They're easily transportable. But again, if you, when, and when I first heard the warning about this was at a, my first survival school that I attended in California, the guy said, if you think you're going to live exclusively off of these, it will, they will kill you. You will die from this. Your body cannot handle that much sodium 
as an exclusive source of your sustenance when it comes to food. So it's a start. It's not a good start. I'm going to say this at the risk of sounding arrogant, but I wrote my book, Food Preservation Strategies, to address the issues that people just like me had when I was getting started. I don't know where to start. Going out and buying 50 pounds of sugar, 50 pounds of salt, 50 pounds of flour, 50 pounds of beans might seem like you're ahead of the game, but what are you going to do if all of a sudden now you have no access to food and that's as far as you've gotten? So please, please, please consider purchasing my book. Go to the website, SuzanneCSherman.com and get food preservation strategies. I have suggestions on how to start a pantry. And then in the follow-up recipe book, if you care to buy that and want to get even more creative, I tell you exactly how to incorporate what's in there. So again, I was disappointed when I saw this because when you click that link and then you see that food supply company, I thought, oh, that's really a shame because you're taking a, 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 such an important topic, which is really feeding your family and giving very bad advice on And especially, Jeff, consider if all you have is this food source that is so high in sodium and it's difficult to get enough water. We're going to talk about what happens when you have enough water, don't have enough water, because I just experienced this. You talked about having some around, but here's what I would say, and we did it shows on this before, and you can go find them. But we talked about having get-home bags in our vehicles. We both have a bag in our vehicles that if we somehow had to walk for some distance to get back home, you know, we have some food, we have way to purify water. We have all the things to get us home in our bags. And you know what? This is where I have some of these freeze-dried dinners. I have, you know, like I said, stroganoff, spaghetti, chilies, whatever it is. I can't even remember what I have in there. But this is where these are very helpful because you want to have as little weight in these bags as you can, because honestly, uh, most of us, me included, don't walk around with this bag on our back and really practice using it. So it's something that's easy. You need to have some of these things. Just don't make it your all-in food source because it's just not going to be what your body needs. Yeah. And the other thing too, to think about is how expensive they've gotten. Uh, I have an affiliate relationship with Harvest Right Freeze Dryers. Again, you can go to my website and there's a page for that. If you click that link and order one through there, let me know. And I will give you all the assistance you need getting up and running. I've got people that call me for tech support, I uh, recipe suggestions, and uh, they need some help. And I, I do offer that if you do it, go ahead and get one for me. So you I'm not saying freeze-dried foods per se are bad, but if you really want them, right now, that $4,000 price tag for your family of four is up to about $37,000 right now. You can do about $15,000 worth of freeze-dried foods in just a few months, and it will pay for itself. Again, I'm not trying to turn this into an infomercial, but freeze-dried foods do have a role. If you know how to do it, you can afford the machine. The great thing about freeze drying your own is you can avoid these chemicals and the salts, the, so, the high sodium content. So just wanted to bring that up again, check out the book, check out freeze dryers, doing it yourself. And as Jeff mentioned, do some pressure canning, do some freezing, do some other things to preserve food, but please try to resist. If you do want to take up that temptation and buy a bunch already, 
have some other sources as well. We're going to take a break for our friends at Anchor FM and then talk about my fun little journey to the emergency room. We'll be right back. back to the Red Hot Chili Pepper podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson and I are just opening up the show with a little warning about taking the easy way out and just buying thousands of dollars worth of commercially available freeze-dried foods. Not good for your family, especially if you just buy one one item. We mentioned this person that said, get 100 pounds of bean soup. Jeff, let's just say you're going to get 100 pounds of a food source per family member. Why not diversify? okay, I'm going to get a hundred pounds of stroganoff. I'm going to get a hundred pounds of noodles. I'm going to get a hundred pounds, something, because you're going to have a picky eater or somebody that's not going to eat them. And I don't care what you say. I don't care of how hungry a kid is going to get. There are some things they're simply not going to eat. You want food your family's going to eat. And you need a lot of water. Shall we share my story from my <laughs> recent trip, Jeff? We often talk about we were just. And when I go out into the wilderness, I'm going to be away from any kind of, you know, sources, food or water or that sort of thing. I make sure I have plenty of water. Here's an example. The first time I took my boys to the Grand Canyon, we went with some friends and we hiked down a little bit below the rim. It was a very hot day and we practiced with our water resources. When we got to the halfway point of our bottle, that was it. We turned and went back up. We wanted to make sure we had enough So there was still some water in our bottle when we got to the car. But when you know you're going to be around gas stations, you know there are restaurants, you're going on. We were driving to Grand Junction, Colorado this last week for a go-kart race. My son was taking, for the first time, we were taking other drivers out there. So we had a lot of other pulls and distractions. So it was, we're taking the motorhome. We have plenty of water in the motorhome. And, you know, we were going to camp in it. and then. The first hiccup we had was we realized the toilet was not functioning. We had replaced all the gaskets. And the last person that finished it off said, oh, um, that one gasket at the top, the flush bowl, the flush ball couldn't open and close all the way. So I just took that out. Well, the problem is I tried to pour some water in there and clean it and the water went straight down. Well, if water can go straight down, the smell can come straight up. So had to put saran wrap and water over, you know, the bottom of it. So toilet no longer stinks, but toilet now is not suitable for use. So that was our first hiccup. And as we're driving on this long drive, thinking, well, I'm just not going to drink as much water because I know my son gets really annoyed with me. 
can we pull over? Can we pull over? Can we pull over? Because I like to drink a lot of water. And I apologize. I'm going to be uh, sharing maybe a little more information than I normally would uh, on this episode. But I want people to understand how easy it is to make a mistake like this. And uh, we're going to use Jeff's knowledge as an EMT to help us along the way and tell me what I could have done different and when I actually did need help, when I was beyond the point of helping myself out. So we're driving down there now and it's very hot. We're driving on Interstate 70 heading east. And I've decided now I don't want to keep drinking as much water. We need to, we really need to get there. The trailer was really heavy and we weren't making great time. And now when my son takes over driving, I'm in the passenger seat up front and the sun is beating down on me. Even with the air conditioning on, I'm sweating. I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm increasing my water intake a little bit, but not as much as I, as I should. So now we finally get to Grand Junction. Let me back up a second too. This is a story, Jeff. I'm interested to hear your take on this. When I was in California, I used to show horses competitively and the gals in my barn used to compete in Montana. So they would go and they would do the drive from Gilroy to Kalispell, Montana, and they would do it without stopping. And one time a girlfriend of mine in the barn decided to caravan with them and said, called them up and said, Hey, I need to pull over and go to the bathroom. What? You were supposed to dehydrate. We don't drink water the day before because that way we don't have to make stops. Doesn't sound very wise to me, but you're driving, you know, you're not doing a lot of things, but this is kind of the mentality. And I was thinking about this as well. They were dehydrating. Nobody drank water, I guess, after like 6 p.m. the night before and then did an 18 or 20 hour drive. Now, did they drink some water? Possibly. And I figured we're not on as long a drive as this. So now we get to the camp. It's very, very hot. We get the RV hooked up. I go inside and you know, Jeff, you've been in an RV before. Do you know how, how heat soaked that transmission gets between the two front seats up there? Well, that's how it was really, really hot. So now I go to turn on the AC. It makes noise, but there's no cold air. So we thought what's going on here, nothing we could do. And then the motor stopped completely. So now we have no AC. It's very hot. It's time to eat dinner. My sons are hungry. So we just brought everything outside. The sun had just gone down now. So it's cooled off a little bit. I thought I'm going to have a little glass of wine. I poured maybe at about three or four ounces. So I had about three or four ounces of wine with my dinner. We had a cold dinner, grilled chicken and some pasta salad. I remembered, oh, I left my water in the RV, but it was so hot and I was so miserable. I didn't want to go in and get it. And then I thought, Plus, I want to dehydrate. I don't want to have to get up and walk to the bathroom in the campground at night. So I woke up the next morning. I had slept probably eight, over eight hours, which is very unusual for me because, again, I apologize. Too much information. I usually get up and urinate two, sometimes three, three times at night if I'm not sleeping well. And what was odd to me, Jeff, and this is where I'm going to start asking for you to join in and tell me what were my signs? And we can go all the way back to when I was sitting in the sun in the RV and the early decisions I made. You go ahead and call me out on these. But I thought it was really interesting that I woke up after such a full night's sleep, not having to go to the bathroom, not having to urinate. We're going to go back a little bit because this is something I didn't ask you before we did the show, because this is actually a pertinent information. So did you have any cramping uh, early on? 
after not drinking and with the heat? Did you have cramps? Actually, I don't think I did. Okay. Uh, I wasn't moving around much, but yeah, I would say I had no cramping in my legs or anything okay. when I was lying down at night. Mm -hmm. Because that's the first place you're going to start seeing the heat where you're having heat problems. They're called heat cramps. And if you're not drinking enough fluids and it's very hot, you're sweating and you get cramps. So if you start getting cramps, your body is giving you a cue that you are entering into a heat emergency. Take a cue from your body and realize that, hey, uh, something's going on. I'm getting crampy. The other thing, it doesn't matter which of the three uh, phases. We've got heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. It doesn't matter which of the three. You immediately went and did the wrong thing right off the bat. All three of them, you do not want to be drinking alcohol when there's this much heat. Okay, you didn't drink much. It probably a wasn't a big bit. factor. It was just a little bit, but it doesn't. I know I'm terrible, but um, this is information for everyone else. I mean, so if it's very hot, you're in a place where it's 100, 110 and it's very hot. You're hot and you're not consuming enough water. And all of a sudden now here's another cue your body's going to give. You're not urinating. So where you would normally after drinking that bottle of water, you would have to run off and use the restroom. Well, now you're not. You probably bypassed the first because of just being sitting around, but then you probably went right into heat exhaustion. So here's some of the symptoms, and this is from uh, Healthline. I'm, I'm going to give you the symptoms right from there. You can look this up and you can read the whole thing, but heat exhaustion, you'll have muscle cramps, which you, again, you said you didn't have, dizziness, mild confusion. I think you, you mm -hmm. had talked about that. Fast heart rate or breathing, headache, irritability. Extreme thirst, which I don't think you ever said you did, but you did. Here's the next one where you definitely said you had this nausea, vomiting. You crossed over overnight into uh, heat exhaustion because you weren't drinking all night long. And so here you are. Now you got up next morning. You're telling you were dizzy. You had uh, nausea and then you ended up vomiting. Pale skin. Again, that's because you're you're dehydrated, you're not, there's not enough blood pressure now to, you know, make your skin look healthy. Heavy sweating, which I don't know that you ever said you were really sweating heavily at this point. Oh, yeah. But then the last one could be fainting. So here you are, you went all night, didn't drink enough prior in the day, didn't drink overnight. And now you're getting up and you're having all these symptoms. Most of these symptoms here you had the next morning. I'll just give you the symptoms of the last one. So last one's heat stroke. This is the most dangerous. This is the one where, you know, you could potentially, if you went long enough without hydrating, you could end up uh, even dying from this. So, uh, but your body temperature of 104, irrational behavior, hallucinations. Uh, so when you get your body gets to this point where it's very hot, uh, your brain is going to uh, react to this heat and it's you could have hallucinations. Uh, confusion, which you already you already you had that rapid, shallow breathing, ra rapid, weak pulse, seizures, loss of consciousness. And your skin is actually dry in this last stage because you're not putting uh, you're not putting out sweat at this point. It doesn't matter once you cross from cramps, cramps, you can probably easily uh, self. Uh, medicate, which would be water, 
and getting into a cool place. All these, you want to get into a cool place. So if you're suffering from these, you might want to go to a, uh, a restaurant, have a meal there and sit in a very cool restaurant, drink plenty of water. But once you cross into this confusion and um, you know, feeling faint, uh, dizziness, uh, it really is at this point where you need to call 911 and get to a hospital or go to the ER because you need to have fluids put into you through an IV at this point. Let me ask you something, Jeff, before we uh, take a break. We're talking, you did exactly what I, I had written down. I was going to ask you to break down the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So thank you for doing that. I also had issues with dehydration. Could I have prevented those had I simply had enough water? Or can the heat be so overwhelming that no matter how much water you drink, you're still going to be in trouble? I think at the point where you woke up the next morning and you weren't urinating at all, you had passed yeah. that point where uh, drinking a lot of water probably would not have helped. And then you were saying that you started to vomit. So even if you drank water, your body's just pushing it right back out. So at, at, the, at some point, yes, there's a line you're going to cross at some point where you can take care of yourself. And then once you cross that point, you better just go get uh, medical attention. Once you're vomiting, you, you're past the point where you can help yourself. You need to get into an ER and have them hook you up to an IV, start replenishing the fluids. And quite honestly, I, you can discuss this. I, I imagine that uh, quite quickly after having the IV fluids, you started to improve. Uh, most everyone improves rather quickly once the fluids start to hit. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that when we come back from a break and wrap up the show. Uh, stand by for some words from our musical sponsor, Roxanne. They poisoned your mind and left you behind. I told you the tables would turn. Now don't look to me for sympathy, because baby, that bridge has been burned. Don't try to explain the dead and the pain. Like always, your words are just hollow. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. Welcome back to the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson and I are talking about my recent trip to the emergency room. And this is something that can happen to anybody. You know, I'm, I always consider myself very well prepared and level-headed. And especially when I'm going out on a hunting trip, you know, I, I do a lot of hunting. I'm in the outdoors a lot. I am so well prepared. 
But Jeff, we've said this, we've shared this story so many times, and I won't get into that one incident again, but it was, it involved going along the trail rim of the Grand Canyon. And we had planned to, to take the shuttle bus around and go from stop to stop. Well, we were just going to take the shuttle bus, so I didn't need my survival bag. We are just going in my RV, so I don't really have to take into serious consideration issues of staying cool. After all, we had an air conditioning unit, or so I thought. So um, that's actually going in to get fixed in September. We were just driving to Grand Junction in the motorhome. We had tons of water, and then we got there, and I found myself the next morning waking up in uh, an extreme uh, discomfort. So we'll back it up a little bit. We In the previous segment of the show, we talked about some of the poor decisions I've made, and when Jeff was going into the different stages of heat exhaustion and heat stroke, I was realizing, you know, these are where I was getting confused and started making some bad decisions. So let's fast forward now to the next morning. I wake up after about eight hours of sleep, if not more. Again, did not get up once to go to the bathroom. Unusual for me to wake up after a sleep like that and not have a bladder that is full to the point of popping. I thought, wow, I don't have to get up and go to the bathroom, which is usually the first thing I do, but I'm lying there. And now I'm realizing I'm not feeling as refreshed as I would have after such a solid night's sleep. So maybe I didn't really have a solid night's sleep. I start noticing my heart rate is quickening now. And then I feel my pores opening up and I'm starting to sweat. And I'm also feeling like I have the, the RV is moving a little bit. And sometimes after a, lar- a long trip, I feel like that when I first go to bed, but never when I first wake up. So felt a little bit, I wouldn't quite say vertigo, but maybe the the RV was, you know, I felt like I was spinning dizzy a little bit. And then I started noticing that I was the first little pings of nausea. So I decided to get up and my younger son was sleeping next to me because it was too hot over the cab where they were, the boys were normally going to sleep. So I had propped open windows and then I had to close them at night because a huge storm came through. So I climbed over him because he was still sleeping and I found myself very unsteady on my feet. And I had a very long, like a full length gown that was on a tank top type gown that went to my ankles. And I decided to try and walk to the bathroom and I was able to make it across the RV and get down the stairs. But once I got outside the RV, I looked at the bathroom, which was about 50 yards away. And Jeff, that, that, that bathroom might as well have been at the summit of Mount Everest. <laughs> there was there was no way I was going to make it there. So I just stood there and I had my hands on my knees and then my my upper body per- parallel to the ground, just standing there trying to catch my breath. My, be- my breathing became very labored. I started sweating profusely. I made it to the other side of the RV because my son was disconnecting us because we were going to go to the track. And I said, I'm not doing well. So I turned on the water and started splashing water on myself and hosing my feet off, tried to drink a little bit of it. And again, I wasn't feeling well. And now I'm sitting in the shade and I thought I would take a couple steps after hosing myself off, tried to get to the bathroom again. And I just, I didn't collapse with my full weight, but my knees just buckled and I just sat on the grass and my son's now going, I don't know what to do. Should I call for help? What do I do? And in my state, I'm fine. I'm fine. Jeff, when somebody can't stand up and they're, and he said, you're pale as a ghost and you're sweating profusely, you're not fine. 
you're the you're in fact you are in the you were the least qualified to make that decision at the time so i just said let's just get to the track so you can you know get the trailer disconnected and get the cart set up and i'll i'll you know if i sit in front of the air conditioner on the way there in the front seat maybe i'll start feeling better so we start driving there we'd considered urgent care first he considered an ambulance and i just said let's just work our way that direction and as i'm sitting in front the first thing that happened was that when I got in the seat, I threw the door open again and threw up. And again, I apologize for too much information. There was no food in there. Apparently, I digested my food. It was just bile at that point. So I threw up and then we're heading there and I'm getting worse at this point. I'm getting very, very confused. And I'm leaning now forward with my face right up to the vent with the cold air. And I just feel my eyes are closing and I thought, am I going to fall asleep or am I going to lose consciousness? I don't know. Because I know when you are, when you have, for instance, hypothermia, if you fall asleep, you, you can die. And did I think I was going to die right then? No, but I knew I was in bad shape. So I finally agreed, you know, let's go to urgent care. So we got to urgent care and I said, I can't get up. I can't get out of the RV. So he went in and he comes out and he said, they said, if you can't even get up and walk, you need to go to the emergency room. So that's where we went. They came out with the wheelchair and then they brought me in. And that's, you know, it, that was exactly what they said. That, you know, you're dehydrated. You're back. You're, you fell behind on your fluids. They gave me an IV. And oh my gosh, did I feel better after about an hour? I sat there. It was drained. And you know how you, you have a plant that's wilting and you give it some water and it kind of perks up a little bit. First thing I was, I was able to start noticing my eyes opening a little bit more. And then I was able to sit up and then I started walking around and then they were able to put me onto a bed where they could track me. You know, they, they took all my vitals and my blood pressure was very low, which meant I was also dehydrated. So they did blood work and they said, all of that was normal. Jeff, I just think I, I it just got away from me. I was so focused on everybody else getting us there, getting the cart set up. I didn't take care of myself. And there are some situations when you don't get away with that, when it's very hot, and then you have uh, something else break down unexpectedly. I think if the AC had been working, I would have been okay. We could have kept the RV cool enough at night and the going to the bathroom wouldn't have been such an issue because I would have been strong enough to go, but I didn't even want to go in there afterwards. So it was a really scary thing. And, and again, once I got in there into the hospital, I started... Uh, then I started vomiting violently. And at this point, it was like a white foam I was throwing up. So, you know, I, I was at that point, Jeff, where I think you said I could not hydrate myself just by drinking water, if I, if I understood that correctly. Right. Once you got to that point where you're vomiting, you're never going to be able to hydrate yourself enough. It, you're, you are already way behind it and your body is way ahead of you. And you are in trouble. So at that point, you really need to be in an ER. Uh, you hit all of them. You said you had confusion. You had, you know, dizziness. You, you had every symptom of a heat exhaustion. You were probably very close to a heat stroke. You were very fortunate that you did the right thing. You sought medical care. So, and if I can just suggest things, I know all summer long, people like to have cookouts and all this other stuff. And they drink a lot of alcohol. That's not going to help you. It's going to dehydrate you yep. more. Just watch for the signs. If you start to feel crampy or you just, you know, you just don't feel right, you feel dizzy or 
just feel off. Well, if you're drinking alcohol, you probably feel dizzy anyway, but, but you get what I'm getting at here that just listen to the signs that your body's giving you because your body's giving you hints that there's a problem coming and seek some uh, medical attention for it. If it gets too bad, otherwise a lot of water and sports drinks, you need to also get those electrolytes. You need to get sodium, magnesium and potassium back in you because you're sweating those all off. And that actually affects your heart. Pay attention to your bodies, pay attention to the warnings and seek medical attention quickly if you start to get to the point where you're actually vomiting because you are now way behind in the curve. Yeah. And again, pay attention to your urine if you do go when, and here's the thing, Jeff, because I went in there and I think by the time they had checked me and I was able to recover, I did not go to urinate till probably 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I probably, the last time had gone had was probably seven or eight o'clock at night. That's unheard of for me. And again, I always color, color, color matters with your urine. And I've never been like this before, even diluted in the water from the toilet already there. My urine, you could tell was very dark brown. And so now I'm worried, am I going to have an issue with my kidneys if I hadn't done this? And I kept thinking, you know, I'm thinking, how much is this going to cost me (laughs) financially? (laughs) And could I have just gotten myself back together. First of all, no, not where I couldn't cool down. And by then when I'm vomiting, I I don't think I could have done it. I felt like a wuss for going to the ER. I would have demanded anybody in my company go, but this is, you know, again, you mentioned confusion and I was making bad decisions and thank goodness my son was there to get me where I needed to go because I just feel like I'm tough enough to get through anything. And, and I really wasn't. And the good news is I didn't cause any long-term damage to my body and I did recover. Uh, I did recover quickly. So, you know, I like to share information like this. You know, one of the reasons going back to the food preservation book is there was a time when I didn't know how to do this stuff. There was a time I was making mistakes. If you follow my page on Facebook, the Red Hot Chili Prepper, I show my successes, my baby chickens, our gardens, and things that are going really well, our successful hunts and the things we do. But it's also important to let people know that sometimes we make mistakes, just like everybody else. And don't feel bad if you do. One of the mistakes I made, Jeff, too, was I had that few, those few little ounces of wine because it was ice cold. It was in the refrigerator and all the other water we had, we couldn't get gallon bottles of water here when I was stocking up. The shelves were empty. So I got the larger bottles with those little spigots, but it wouldn't fit in the refrigerator. So it was so hot in the back part of the RV. I didn't want warm water. I'd rather have a little bit of something cold when the right decision would have been to have a nice tall glass of water, even if it was warmer than I wanted. So please heed my advice, folks. I mean, I know better. And this happened to me. I would have taken somebody to the hospital immediately. But here I am when it's happened to me. I'm confused. I'm dizzy. I'm making bad decisions, thinking I can get through it when I really couldn't. So don't let this happen to you. Learn from my mistakes. Learn from what we get wrong, because we don't always get it right. And there's nothing to be ashamed of if you don't. So I want to thank everybody for listening today. I hope you find this information useful and uh, keeps you from getting into the little pickle that I did. I'm just glad that I was in a place where I could get help easily. I think I would have taken the situation much more seriously. Again, had I been out in the, in the wilderness on a hunting trip or something like that, I don't think I ever would have let myself get that far. But 
because it was a familiar surroundings. I'm in my motor home. I supposedly have everything I need. We're, we're in civilization. Not going to be a problem. We're just going to the races. Well, I just ended up in the emergency room. So I hope that you found this story useful and it prevents you from getting in the same pickle that I found myself in. On behalf of myself and Jeff Johnson, I want to thank you for your support and for listening to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. <laughs>